Good morning. We'll be reading Proverbs 2, chapter 2, 1 through 3. My son, accept my words. Store up my commands inside you. Let your ears listen to wisdom. <clears throat> Apply your heart to understanding. Call out for the ability to be wise. Cry out for understanding. Then you will understand what is right and just and fail ever every every good path for wisdom will enter your heart very good <laughs> oh my word wisdom cries out this is what wisdom cries out in proverbs 8:32 my sons Listen to me, blessed are all who follow my ways. It, it means happy are you or prosperous you will be if you follow my ways. Blessed are those who listen to me, those who watch for me daily at my gates and wait for me outside my home. That wasn't a stock video, and I want to introduce uh, to you Miles and Dawson Obregon, Two young kingdom warriors who said, Mom and Dad, we're going to read the proverb of the day every day. I thought I'd get a whole lot more excitement from you than that. I mean, how awesome is it that we've got these two young guys? Listen, how awesome would it be if every single family, every dad led their boys and led their young girls to reading God's word every single day, to hide God's word in their hearts so that they will not sin, to meditate on it day and night so that they will be careful to do all that is written inside of it so that their way can be prosperous and successful and they can do awesome things for the kingdom. If we ever needed that, it's today, my friends. And so um, Eric and Kelly, I don't know if you're here in this service. There you are, right back there. Keep it going, you guys. Get that that third little guy going as soon as he can. Um, God said, if you seek me, you will find me. If you ask for wisdom, I will give it to you. And if you read my word, it will change you and it will guide you because my spirit will guide you into everything you need to do. And that's why we're in a series like we are called the Get Smart series. We're getting smarter, right, and our, with our goal of making wiser choices more often. Uh, before we go any farther, you want some good news? That's some really good news. So Alejandro and Robin Armijo were here last week. Alejandro preached, did an awesome job. Many of you were like, man, that, he, he just helped me so much, and he helped me, and um, I, I, I grew underneath his leadership last week, and I so appreciate that. But he launched out there their needs that we could pray about. Remember that they have this property that they want to buy their $30,000 short of getting that property. And we have been talking to him about maybe, I think you guys would get excited about doing that, you know, with like season of generosity that we have coming up. And maybe that's one of our projects to pay it off. Um, except on Tuesday morning, one of our families called in and said, hey, let Alejandro know the land is paid for. We're giving $30,000 to pay the rest of the land. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, Alejandro went to tears when we told him on the phone. He just couldn't believe it. And then I, went, he, I talked to him yesterday, and he said he called Alejandro B., right, you know, Pastor B., and um, told him. And so uh, the believers in, in Chile this morning are rejoicing over the news that their land has been purchased, and um, now they can get going on building the building, and maybe we'll get involved in season generosity to help put the seed money into that. I think maybe that we'd get excited about that. But I knew you'd enjoy hearing that. Thank you guys for, um, isn't it fun to be part of the Lord's work and just to do what he wants from us? Um, okay, so <laughs> I don't know if any of you have looked at your notes yet, um, but we are going to tackle a subject today that has been hotly debated, very emotionally charged amongst believers in God's church for centuries. Um, and here it is, um, getting smart about alcohol. Now, um, <laughs> there's three things that you don't preach about. Now, no, there's, here's the deal. Is it, isn't it true, Pastor Blodgett, that you're like, okay, let's see. Oh, that'll be a good, no, that'll make so-and-so mad. Oh, so, uh, no, they'll get upset about that. Uh, visitors won't like that. And, do you think that's how we go at it? No, we don't. Sometimes I want to, though. Because <laughs> here, here's the deal, okay? And I want you to hear. I'm afraid you won't hear my heart that as I give you the heart of the Lord today and that you'll turn it into some kind of Baptist thing that we're going to talk about today because of your history and what you think about a Baptist church or what you think about church, period. It might not just be Baptist. And and what we're going to talk about today and some of the things I'm going to reveal to you and some of the things we're going to suggest to us as a congregation to adopt, I'm going to, I'm, we're going to do that today. Um, some, of our, some of our people that have been with us for a long time might get mad at me or mad at us because we're going to go a certain direction. There are others that are going to be like, really, this is an issue? So it is with great anticipation, some kind of weird combination of anticipation and dread that I bring this to you today. Uh, three things that you don't, that make people mad when you preach about it, sex, money, and alcohol. So here we go. Are you ready? You, you with me? All right. Um, I don't pretend to know the best way to tackle this, so I'm going to do what I just do, okay? I just kind of step in it, jump in, and we'll wade through it together, but um, and I didn't know any other way to go at it other than this. So as it relates to alcohol for believers, okay, we're talking about believers here, and the use of alcohol for believers, I want to come before you and tell you three things today. The churches, and I'm talking about FBC, First Baptist Churches, not the Big C Church, but First Baptist Churches' historical position on it and explain that to you. And we're going to suggest and recommend to the congregation and our membership's going to vote in a month on making a change to our historical position. Now you're listening. <laughs> I want then to go to God's biblical position, which is what we care most about. And then I want to conclude with Phil's personal position on the use of alcohol and just talk to you as your pastor. So if it's okay, I'm going to go at it in these three ways. <laughs> And here we go. Um, there, let's go, first of all, the church's historical position. And I'm talking about FBC, First Baptist Church's historical position. Um, 
there are three most commonly held views on alcohol um, in the church of Jesus Christ amongst believers, and they are these, okay? The first is that drunkenness is a sin. This is the positions that churches have taken, and these are the most common. That drunkenness is sin. Drinking alcohol is also a sin, position number one. Here's another commonly held view amongst churches that drunkenness is sin, Drinking alcohol in and of itself is not, but believers should abstain from drinking it because of the many potential sins and negative results that are associated with it. There's a lot in that, but that's a traditionally held view. And then here's the third traditionally held view. Drunkenness is sin. Drinking alcohol is not a sin if done in moderation. Historically, um, and we have a lot of new people, um, so it would be good for you to hear where we have been. We're a very old church. We've been around a long time. Uh, we were around, around way before um, the 18th Amendment to our Constitution to abolish alcohol, and then the 21st Amendment to abolish the 18th Amendment. And um, I actually did some study on that this week. That's a very interesting study, that even the world took out, our, our nation took some time to be cautious about this whole thing um, and its history. It'd be a good study for you. Um, but historically, First Baptist Church um, has been in the number two category, which let me read it again. Drunkenness is sin. Drinking alcohol in and of itself is not, but believers should abstain from drinking it because of the many potential sins and negative results that are associated with it. It wasn't that long ago that in order to become a member of First Baptist Church, you were required to sign a membership covenant. Had a lot of different things in it that I agree to this and I agree to be this kind of Christian and, and I will, I will be, have this kind of testimony before the, before the world out there as a member of First Baptist Church. And the covenant read in part, I will abstain from the sale and use of intoxicating drinks as a beverage. So in order to be a member, you had to sign that, that you would abstain from intoxicating beverages. And um, prior to the writing of that, it said this, I will abstain from the sale and use of alcohol and tobacco. And what was interesting to me is that we didn't include things like ding-dongs, Snickers bars, <laughs> marijuana, you do know we're going to deal with marijuana being legal here soon. You know, I mean, there's all kinds of things that we could have listed. Interesting to me that at that time in the history of our church, we had written in there the sale and use of alcohol and tobacco, and you had to sign that you would not use that. Um, only to find out that some people instituted the 50-mile rule. <laughs> they signed it, and in their mind, they had their fingers crossed a little bit, and they said, unless I'm 50 miles from Elkhart. And, and people actually did that. As long as I'm 50 miles away from home or farther, then that doesn't apply. And it, it... Well, in an attempt uh, to be more biblical, remember I'm in the historical part of this on the, the church's history. Um, in an attempt to be more biblical in all that we do and require of God's people, which is the goal of an elder council and a deacon council is to lead God's people in the most biblical way of living. Um, 
we changed the membership requirement in 2011. Some of you who have been here at that time will remember that. Um, when we rewrote the Constitution, we changed our view on this and we dropped it all together and put in its place, this is what it read instead. In my personal life, I purpose to develop habits and patterns that will help me bring glory to God and I will refrain from activities that bring dishonor to Christ, cause a fellow believer to stumble, or hinder a person from coming to Jesus Christ. Do you see how that clearly lines up with the whole of Scripture and God's will for his people? But because that's what we're all about. And so the goal at that time in changing that was to get our Constitution and church membership requirement more in line with God's word. Do you know what it takes to be a member of of a church of Jesus Christ in the scriptures? No, I'll tell you. Salvation, in, in fact now, in order to be a member of First Baptist Church, it's required of you that you have a clear testimony of salvation in Jesus Christ, baptism by immersion, which is biblically correct, and an agreement, signing an agreement that says, I believe in the doctrinal position of First Baptist Church and can support it, I'm all in. That's what it takes now to be a member of our church. And we believe that that is a healthier, more biblical position. Well, now we're ready to take another step in that direction. In 2011, when we rewrote the membership covenant, we also adopted a position paper. Some of you who are here will remember that. Pastor Blodgett preached through it, and then we adopted it together as a congregation that this, we, would, we would accept this as our biblical position on what the Bible has to say about alcohol as a beverage. It was our goal uh, to clarify the biblical teaching on the use of alcohol and include some practical application of wisdom to the use of of alcohol and for all of us to consider when using it. But at the end of that position paper, we tagged on a rule that we believe now, the elders and deacons, when I say we, that's what I'm talking to today, is elders and deacons, we believe um, was extra biblical and unnecessary as, re, as it related to the topic. In the practical implication part of that paper, here's what, it, here's what was written. Because we believe it is best for the believer to abstain entirely from drinking alcohol, we will encourage all members to seek God's help in abstaining from alcohol. Furthermore, and here's that clause that I'm talking about, all who serve in leadership, teaching, and discipleship positions at First Baptist Church will be required, there's a word that we're working on, okay, will be required to abstain from alcohol. In other words, anyone who is involved, and we have a whole list of people that this would apply to, that work in the discipleship of people, from children to cradle to grave, if you're teaching the Bible, then we have what's called a leadership covenant, and you need to sign that covenant, and in that covenant, it says that you will abide by the position paper, and therefore, you will abstain from alcohol, from the use of alcohol. Well, the elders and deacons are recommending that we remove that statement from our position paper, and over the next month, we're going to be working toward that end. What I mean by that is we're going to be um, having a time for you to examine the documents. We're going to have a couple of question-answer times to help you work on that. And then we're going to take it to the church membership for a vote. Um, in fact, today, we're going to be handing out a copy of the, it'll, be, it'll look like this. It's one page, two-sided, of our, 
of what we're recommending to be the new position paper um, on alcohol and the use of alcohol. And those of you who are like, you, you want the side-by-side, -side, you can pick up the old version of it so you can see what has been adjusted and changed at the connection point. But every person will get this. And you'll be like, well, the, only the members get to vote on it. Yeah, that's exactly right. But everybody who attends First Baptist Church ought to know what we believe the Bible has to say about the use of alcohol as a beverage. And so we want to get this into everybody's, um, everybody's hand. Um, we're going to um, have a question time. In fact, I, we have a slide to show you. We're going to be having two different question and answer times uh, uh, meetings for you to come to Tuesday, August the 31st at 6 p.m. and Tuesday, September 14th at 6 p.m. Um, this is for anybody, okay? But specifically, it's for members to come to ask questions so that you can be... Um, have all your questions answered of the elders and deacons as to why we would propose this so that you can vote your conscience on it and um, in, in changing it. So we're going to give you the opportunity. But everybody can come. Not just members can come to these. Anybody can come and ask questions on this because this is a, a teaching time and we're in this together. And then we'll be uh, sending out a vote uh, during the, the window of September 20th to September 24th to vote um, on accepting this new position paper. Now, you might ask the question, why would you guys do this? Um, here's why. This is the simple, the simple answer, and there's much more discussion that can be had on this, but the simple answer is this. We don't want to add something to the biblical position paper on alcohol and its use for believers that the Bible doesn't add to it. It's a position paper on the biblical use of alcohol. Therefore, we need to say what the Bible has to say without adding to it a whole bunch of rules to it. And so that's why we're going at it in the way that we are. Which takes us to our next point. What is God's biblical position on the use of alcohol for a believer? If we're talking about getting smarter, making better decisions more often, wiser decisions more often, and getting smart about alcohol, we should know what God's biblical position on it. It's not complicated. And so I'm going to start with this. The first point is this. Drunkenness is forbidden. Having a drink is not. This is the clear teaching in Scripture. Drunkenness is forbidden. Having a drink is not. Ephesians 5.18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I want you to resist the temptation. If you grew up in church like I did, I want you to resist the temptation of the contextual gymnastics that we do, that we use with the word wine. I was taught, you know, oh no, wine in the new, wine in the Bible is was just grape juice. Okay, well. Can I just say something? I've never known anybody to get drunk on Welch's grape juice. <laughs> and so uh, if wine in the Bible is talking about grape juice, then why would we be told don't get drunk on it, okay? Here's another thing. What does it really mean, Phil? What, no, I have had conversations with believers who we, we talk about this passage like, ah, we, we got to look at the context. What does it really mean? Guess what? I, I figured it out. You want to know what it really means? Don't get drunk on wine. 
You're so impressed with my textual brilliance now, aren't you? Listen, it's clear in the scripture, do not get drunk on wine. Why? I love the Bible because it just doesn't just say, don't get drunk on wine. And when you go, why? God just says, because I said so, that's why. (laughs) Here's why, because it leads to debauchery. And debauchery, drunkenness leads to debauchery. And debauchery is all forms of evil. Wow. Instead, what is God's will for you? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit will never lead you to evil. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to debauchery. In fact, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will keep you from all forms of debauchery, which you tend to want to go towards. You and I tend to want to go towards. Why is this so important? Look at Romans 13. You want to go there with me? Go over to Romans 13, verse 13. This is what Paul said. Because we belong to the day, we must live decent lives for all to see. As, as, as Matt was going over that whole thing about the light coming, you know, in, to the mountain, the morning coming. You ever been out there in the, in the wilderness when you see that, that, just the peak coming over, the, the, the light just coming over the mountain peaks, and what happens is it begins to flood the valley, and when the valley is flooded, what goes away? The darkness. The darkness goes away. All the, all the wickedness of the night, all of the darkness, all of the boogie people that are awake at night, they all run for their dens whenever the light comes. And Paul says, listen, my friends, we belong to the day, and because of that, we must live decent lives for all to see. So, what does that look like, Paul? Here it is. Don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness. Do you see it? Drunkenness is clearly a sin in the Scriptures. Don't participate in sexual promiscuity and immoral living or in the quarreling and jealousy, which, by the way, all of those go along with drunkenness, in my experience, with dealing with people. Instead, verse 14, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's the the point. I've never come against any serious Christ follower or student of the word who tries to condone drunkenness. I could go on and on with all kinds of passages on proof that drunkenness is a sin. I'll leave that to you. As you read through our paper, we got all kinds of passages listed. But aren't we glad we don't live in the Old Testament times? You want to know what, you don't want to know what their view, because they understood what drunkenness leads to, what their view of it was in Israel's time? If we lived under the law in Deuteronomy, you can read that the parents of a wayward son who goes out partying and indulges in drunkenness and gluttony, they were supposed to tell the elders about it, and the elders were to take him out back and stone him to death. What? Aren't you glad? Hey, elders, aren't you glad we don't live in those times? Especially in the day we live in, 
where that just seems like the thing to do, go out and sow your wild oats and, you know, go ahead and just experiment. I've heard parents say, you know what? I want my kids to experiment with that kind of stuff. You're a fool if you want your kids to go out and experiment with stuff that is going, that is so dangerous. Okay, see, I did it. I just got off the passage. I just got off and I went into, like, Diving into your world. I, I'm sorry. I won't do that anymore. <laughs> why? Why was that the case with God's holy people Israel? Here's why. Because it's improper for God's holy people to act like the heathen do. And Paul said it. He's, it's improper for you to act according to your old way of life. He said some of you were like these partiers and drunks and sexual, sexually promis, promiscuous people and living in morally and quarreling with each other. That's what you used to be like when you were in darkness. Now you're not anymore. You're children of light. So live like the children of light. It's not appropriate for God's holy people to live like they used to live when their hearts were darkened by sin. And so drunkenness in the Bible is forbidden. It's sin. But having a drink is not. There are many scriptures that describe the, and I can't, you do know I can't take, I don't have the time to take you through all of this. That's why we did a position paper on it, and you can study it yourself, but there are many scriptures that describe the moderate consumption, and there's, I, I unapologetically say that to you. It, it is considered the moderate consumption of some forms of alcohol are acceptable in the scriptures. Wine was used to signify God's favor and blessing in the Old Testament. Wine was uh, turned from water at the wedding feast, that was Jesus' first miracle. Oh, he, he didn't make wine, he made, he made grape juice. No, he didn't. It would have said he made grape juice, he made wine. Wine was used for medicinal purposes. It's actually believed that, that Timothy was a, a young elder and because he was being very careful that he went into an abstinence mode and said, I'm not going to drink anymore, but he had stomach issues. And so Paul is actually saying to him, Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. Back then, they didn't have the medicines we have today. And so they used wine as, in a medicinal way. It's described as a gift God gives to his people. And get this, it is the iconic symbol of the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ that takes away the sin of the world. Okay, hear me, please, hear me. Because some of you have already checked out. Some of you are like, that's it, he's off the edge, he's off the rails. I cannot continue in a church like this with downward slope. I'm just, listen, can you just hang with me? I'm, I'm giving you the biblical definitions here. This is what the Bible talks about. It's not Phil making this up. The negative issues in and around this subject of alcohol and, and God's people using it is not in the use of alcohol, it's in the abuse and overuse of alcohol where God puts all of his time in his word declaring that it's dangerous, which is our next point. Alcohol is dangerous, so be careful. That's the biblical position, you can't deny it. If you spend any time in the word at all, you cannot deny that the scripture is full of warning signs 
on the use of alcohol. Alcohol is dangerous, so be careful. It ha- because it has the potential to lead you down a painful, destructive path. Go to Proverbs 23 with me. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who has anguish? Who has sorrow? Who is always fighting? Who is always complaining? Who has unnecessary <laughs> bruises? This sounds like my family when I was growing up. Who has bloodshot eyes? Here's the answer. It is the one who spends long hours in the taverns trying out new drinks. Don't gaze at the wine, seeing how red it is, how it sparkles in the cup, how smoothly it goes down. For in the end, it bites like a poisonous snake. It stings like a viper. You will see hallucinations, and you will say crazy things. And people will look on and say, <laughs> look at that, look at that crazy falling down drunk. Listen, listen, listen. It is not a funny matter. Alcohol is destructive and it's destroying families and it's destroying people's lives. The scriptures are full of giant warning signs because the use of alcohol is associated with a whole host of sins that carry with them negative life consequences. You can see it right here on the screen. Every single one of those passages, and there are more that we can add to it, describe a specific sin that, was, that people came and involved themselves in because of the use of alcohol, and they're connected together. Alcohol is dangerous, and the scripture's full of warnings for us to be careful. Wisdom screams out to us in passages like you just saw on the screen. Warning, warning, this substance can ruin your lives. And you cannot deny that if you're a student of God's word. Studies show that 28 people die every day in drunk driving accidents in America. Every 52 minutes, somebody in America dies from a drunk driving accident. So somebody's gonna die in America while I'm preaching this sermon. 88,000 people die in America every year due to some kind of issue in and around the use of alcohol. 88,000 people every year in the United States alone. In 2019, over 24,000 people died of alcohol-related liver disease from the overuse of alcohol. 55%, this is amazing, 55% of domestic abusers were drinking before the incident. One hundred percent of my ministry experience with alcohol has been negative as I've dealt with families and dealt with people trying to help them put together the broken pieces of their lives, the broken pieces of their families. I've never heard these words in the counseling room. And once my wife and I started drinking, we all lived happily ever after. I, or, you know, our relationship with our teenage son got so much better once we started hosting beer parties on Friday nights for him. Now, it's quite the opposite, my friends. Alcohol is dangerous. And the reason for the warning is because of the addictive nature of alcohol. That's the scary part of it. And it affects all kinds of people differently. 
Proverbs 23, 34 says this, as we go on in that passage, you will stagger like a sailor tossed at sea, clinging to a swaying mast. You will say, they hit me, but I didn't even feel it. I didn't even know it when they beat me up. When will I wake up so I can look for another drink? Have you known anybody like that? I have. Alcohol is the most commonly used addictive substance in America today. 17.6 million people in the United States suffer from alcohol dependence for chronic alcohol abuse. That's one in 12 people in America today are alcoholics. Can you just hear me clearly? Jesus wants us to live as children of the light. Jesus wants his followers under the one and only influence of the Holy Spirit of God and nothing else. We're talking about alcohol today, but we could be talking about all kinds of substances that control us and that cause issues in our lives. Paul said this, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. All things are permissible but I will not be mastered by any of them. That's my goal, my personal goal, and would be my personal goal for every single one of you hearing my voice today. So let's finish with this, Phil's personal position. So um, there are three groups of people in the room today. You fit one of, the, one of these people. You're, you are one of these three people. There are those with a drinking problem. You need to drink. You have to have a drink. In fact, you might be needing one right now. You're the kind of person that before you can go out and associate with people, you've got to get a drink to loosen you up. That, the, the, there are people sitting here today that have a drinking problem. There are those, secondly, who drink for amusement or for enjoyment. Drunkenness is not a problem for you. Um, overuse is not a problem for you. And the Bible doesn't say you can't drink like that. And then there are teetotalers. You know what I mean by that? Like total abstinence people. Never drink, never have, never will. Anyone want to guess which group I am? I'm in. Do you want me to tell you? Which group I am in? You know, part of me doesn't, <laughs> I don't know what you just said, but part of me doesn't want to tell you. Um, this is a personal matter between you and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not, when I, I released this to somebody, I'm not going to say who it was, but I released this to somebody this week that I was going to be talking on it. And um, it was a, a man, a friend of mine, and, he, and he, he looked at me, he goes, are you serious? You guys are going to lift that from the disciples in our church? I go, uh, yeah. So they could drink now. Well, they always could. They just signed something that said they won't. Who's going to police that, is what he said. <laughs> and I go, okay, come on. The church is not responsible to police you. You know that, right? It's not the church is responsible to have a list of rules that if you do this and this and this and this and this, you're a good Christian and we can use you. 
that's not the church's responsibility. That is the responsibility of God's word and the Holy Spirit to police our lives. You're following me, right? I know it's easier to just draw a box, make everybody live in the box, but you know what? You know what they end up doing? Because it's a rule that we put together, they end up making their own rules like the 50-mile rule. It's, I gotta, I gotta finish. I'm a teetotaler. Never have drink, never will. I'm gonna leave my family to be teetotalers. I'm gonna leave my grandkids to be teetotalers. I don't know if they will, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, son, be a teetotaler. And teach your kid to be a teetotaler. But I have reasons for that. I have principles that I live by. It's not because God said you have to be a teetotaler because God didn't say that I have to be a teetotaler. But me and my family have chosen to abstain and I want to share with you the reason why, if you're okay with that. And this is not thus saith the Lord. I want you to hear this. What I'm going to tell you now and the point, that's why I put down Phil's personal position is because as I've read the scripture and just made decisions for my own family, these are the conclusions I have come to, but I feel like I want to share this with you as your pastor. The first reason I've chosen to abstain is that I want to pull my feet back from danger, not live on the edge of it. I believe alcohol is incredibly dangerous. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. You get that? That's God's will for me. I don't want to be the guy who lives right here on the edge and everybody, I'm not nervous right now. I'm not nervous at all right now. But all of you are going, what are you doing? Get away from the edge. You're not a young man anymore. If you fall off three feet, you're gonna break something. And you break your hip, you might die. <laughs> you get that, right? But see, for some of us, people are just walking on that edge and there's like a 800 foot cliff there. And everybody in their world's going, what are you doing? And they're like, I can handle it. I don't want to live there. I don't believe that God wants us to live there. In fact, it says flee. I think I have a verse down here, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness. I'm afraid of alcohol, to tell you the truth. I've seen too much of its destructive power, and I want nothing to do with it, and I don't want it to get a hold of my life. When I was a kid, that's why I was, I, this is what I'm about to tell you is why I was so passionate about pick your, be careful when you choose your friends. I had a buddy of mine that I grew up with and we were getting ready to go into high school, we were in ninth grade. We went over to his house, his parents weren't home, my parents weren't home. Ooh. <laughs> ninth grade, yeah. Bad thing to be going. He didn't know the Lord. He opens up the refrigerator. He goes, hey, you want something to drink? I said, sure. We're at his house. Opens up the refrigerator, and they had all these little half cans of beers. They're like little half cans. And he goes, you want a beer? I go, really? He goes, yeah, I've never tasted alcohol before. I said, okay. So we pop it, and we both drink the little half can of beer. <laughs> 
I remember thinking, I just drank a beer. I just drank a beer. He goes, look at this. And he walks over to his, to his cabinet above the stove, and he opens it up. And there's like 100 bottles of liquor in there. I go, what is that? He goes, that's my mom and dad's liquor cabinet. You want to try something? I go, I was buzzed at that point. No, I'm just kidding. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. So we get a bottle down, and we take a swig of it. I have no idea what I'm drinking. I take a swig of it. We put it up. <laughs> We're laughing. I said, now, I was a Christian kid. I knew the Lord. I went to church every, every time the doors were open. My parents never drank. I said, hey, let's take a sip out of every bottle. <laughs> Not how a child left to himself will come to ruin. How stupid, right? I mean, anybody knows. And so we did. We got down every single bottle, took a swig, put it up, took a swig, put it up, took a swig, put it up. We get all done, and by this time, we're spinning. And we are happy. And he opens up the fridge, and he goes, you want to want to drink some wine? And there was a big old thing of wine in there. So we take this wine, chug, 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 put it down. And I go, Richard. He goes, what? And he go, we had a fort that we built. I go, you know that secret compartment in our fort? He goes, yeah. I go, I got some cigars in there. I found the cigars in the gutter, and I hid them away for just a time like today. And so we go to my house. And at this point, we're like, I mean, totally, totally drunk, totally. I have no idea that I'm drunk. I have no idea that I'm completely wiped out. And we're just like walking to my house. So we get to my house, so we sit down on the back porch. It's pouring down rain, and we're sitting in the rain with these stogies, and we're sucking it down. And I go, hey, Richard, I, I've never smoked before either. I'm Richard, what? He goes, I said, let's see how big of an inhale we can take on these cigars. And so we're like, <gasps> and in about five minutes, we're both sitting there staring at each other. And I said, Richard? He goes, yeah. I go, I think you need to go home. Because <laughs> I don't feel good. And he goes, I don't feel good either. I went into the bathroom. And I am literally, Whoa! Oh, God, please help me. Whoa! take another drink oh and I, I look around like I'm I hope that I'm not splattering anything am I don't please don't let mom and dad find out that I did that listen to me do you know that there are studies out there on the addictive nature this is what scares me about this there are studies have been done that Kids who get in trouble drinking with alcohol in their older life, they start experimenting with it before they're 18 years old, before it's like, what is it, 21 that they're legal now? But before they're 18, they start experimenting. You know where they start experimenting? In mom and dad's liquor cabinet. I have no idea. I lost my place in my notes completely. Um... Can I just tell you something? I want to run hard after righteousness, and I want my kids to run hard after righteousness. 
2 Timothy 2.19 says, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and don't let yourself think about ways to indulge in evil desires. Here's the second point why I believe absence is best for us. I believe wisdom calls me to set alcohol aside. The Bible doesn't teach that I cannot drink any alcohol, but I believe wisdom. As I've done a study of it, I believe wisdom calls me to set it aside. The more I read, the more I believe it recommends it as a path that is highest and best. And here's, and here's what I'm saying. Please don't hear me say that if you don't take the path I take, that I think somehow you're lesser of a Christian than me or you're not as wise as me. I'm just, I'm just sharing with you why we have done what we have done. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine produces mockers and alcohol leads to brawls. Those led astray by drink cannot be wise. I personally believe by reading the scripture that abstinence is the wise choice. Now follow my logic, okay? If I never drink alcohol, then I will never be led astray by it. That's my thinking. That's just how it just makes sense to me. If I never drink it, it can't turn me into a mocker. It can't turn me into a brawler. Does that make sense to you? It does to me. So I believe abstinence is, the, abstinence is the wisest choice, but I also believe it's the most loving choice as well. <clears throat> I'm gonna jump over this part, okay? Um, you can take it yourself and go to Romans chapter 14. There is, a, there is a teaching that talks about how we need to be careful with the example we set before our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes we can do things that lead others into sin as we exercise our liberty. And Paul says, clearly, you need to set that aside if that's the case. For me, I learned this a long time ago. What we do in moderation, our children will do in excess. So be careful what you do, parents. Out of all the temptations out there, there's going to be some that my kids and grandkids aren't going to have to deal with right inside their own home because we're, not, we're just not going to do it. Last reason. I can't afford to have my wisdom impaired. Studies have shown that after three beers, you will lose 13% of your memory. <laughs> I've already lost enough of that. I don't need to lose any more. Um, after, this is, is was interesting. They did a study with um, professional typists. I don't even know if we have typists anymore. But um, people, you know, that type for a living. Um, after consuming just a very small amount of alcohol, they had a 40% increase in errors in their typing. One ounce of alcohol retards your muscular function by 17% and increases time to make critical decisions by 10%. Um, Proverbs 31, I'm going to end with. Proverbs 31, 4. It's not for kings, O Lemuel. It's not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink. Why? lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Another translation says it this way. Because for if they drink, they might forget the law and not give justice to the oppressed. According to the scriptures, those in crucial places of authority, 
were required to abstain, to have nothing to do with it. It was like God was saying, I'm giving you a job to lead my people. You're going to answer to me for how you lead them, so no alcohol for you. Your job is too big to take the risk of impairing your judgment with alcohol. Too much is dependent upon your wisdom as you lead my people. Priests, Old Testament and New, they were forbidden to drink while serving God's people. John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus Christ, was forbidden to drink. And so for that reason, because of the magnitude of my job as your pastor and shepherd, to lead this congregation of people, I choose to abstain because I don't want, I can't afford to have my wisdom impaired. Because of that and the gravity of our positions, the elders and deacons of this church have decided not to be ruled by an abstinence requirement, but to voluntarily give up their liberty to drink while serving as deacons and elders at this church. They have decided to say, you know what, our job is too big, and especially as the days get worse and worse and we get closer and closer to the end, we're gonna have to make some really big decisions, haven't we already, this, and we don't want to be impaired in any way, our judgment and our wisdom be impaired, so therefore, we voluntarily will release our right to have a drink while we're serving as deacons and elders so that no way could our wisdom be impaired. Okay, I'm done. The Bible says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Listen, can I just say this to you? If I had my way, I would require all of you to abstain from the use of alcohol because I've seen it just destroy people. But you know what? If I had my way, I would never, if I could wave my Bible wand, none of you would ever look at anything filthy on TV again. So crouch all your TVs. No one's allowed to have a TV. Is that how it works? I never want any husband and wife to have another selfish fight again. Right? You get our hearts, right, as your pastors, as the elders and deacons and leaders of your church. We want you to live righteous lives before the Lord and go hard after the Lord Jesus Christ. But it is God's word and the Holy Spirit of God who convicts people's hearts and changes the lives of people, not rules that we establish. Therefore, if we choose to adopt our new position paper as written, our official summary statement will be this. As we consider the biblical concerns regarding alcohol and its effects, the natural temptation to consume alcohol in excess and the frequent possibility of causing offense and or the stumbling of others, we conclude that believers should exercise extreme caution when considering the use of alcohol as a beverage. We believe that is the closest to the scriptural teaching that we can get, and that's what we are searching for. That's what we're desiring. I want you to feel free 
to reach out to us, anyone on the deacon council, elder council, and talk to us about this. If you're struggling with this, especially if you've been with us for a long time and have come through all of these changes that I've just described to you earlier in the sermon. Um, but here's what I also want to say. If this thing of alcohol or any substance abuse has got a hold of your life, um, you're not doomed for that for the rest of your life. I know people, many people, who are living in victory over that, the hold that those substances have on you, and we would love to help you with that. Reach out to us. There's no shame in reaching out that I have a problem and I need some help. And so we want to help walk alongside you in this path. You guys okay? Let's stand together and let me dismiss you. And by the way, the, uh, the ushers are at the doors with these, um, with these position papers that you can pick up. And also, if you want one, um, you, uh, the old ones, you can get it at the connection point. Lord, help us. We're gonna, I'm going to set the alcohol thing aside for this part of the prayer right now. Lord, just help us live righteous lives as children of the light that you have called us into. You shine the light into our hearts. Help us to live that light in every area of our lives, alcohol use included. Help us to be wise and make really wise choices because it doesn't just affect us. It affects everyone around us. Give us strong families and strong young people. Give us more and more and more Miles and Dawson's that will dive into the word at a very young age on a daily basis. Help us all to be in your word so that we can be used powerfully by you in this world that desperately needs our light. Use us now and bless us as we go in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. You're dismissed. Thank you for joining us for our worship service online today. Our hope is that the worship and teaching has stirred your affections for Jesus Christ and has inspired you to love God, love others, and influence our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today or if you just want prayer with somebody, would you click on our connection card link and there you can find the help that you need. Also, we encourage you, if you haven't already, download our church app from the App Store today so that you can connect with us in that way and the many different tools that it offers. As always, our website offers a host of opportunities and resources for you, and you can find that at fbcalcar.org. Hey, thank you again for joining us today. We'll see you right back here next week. See ya.